Welcome to the Leadership Wiley series. In today's episode, I talked to Leadership Wiley Class 20 participant Kat Montgomery. Kat is a branch manager and escrow officer at Texas Premier Title. Welcome to the show, Kat, and thanks for joining Leadership Wiley. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, longtime listener, first time caller, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I like to get started with uh, learning more about you. So what is what are the most ah, doing great today? Words are hard. <laughs> uh, what are the most important things I need to know about you to understand who you are? I have been in the title industry since 1997. I got into it. I was actually um, bartending and managing a restaurant in downtown Wiley and got tired of going to college and doing night school and bartending. And one of the patrons said, well, you should work with my wife. And what do you think about title? And I had no idea what it was and ended up answering phone calls and getting to know the title business. Um, my husband and I have been married since 19 or 2000. We've been together since 1996. And um, it's just been a real, real interesting journey in the title industry. I've always enjoyed uh, the service aspect of it. And we have two boys, uh, ages 13 and 15. And so we're busy with life and lots of travel with soccer. Yeah, I I did note that you are literally a soccer mom. I am um, literally a soccer mom. <laughs> um, so you have you have uh, teenage boys now. How's that? You know, I I was really nervous about it, um, but I've really enjoyed all stages. Um, they they're a lot of fun. In the beginning, they weren't best of friends, but now they really like each other. Um, actually at dinner the other day, they said, well, mom, we actually like each other. I mean, they're friends. And I was like, that's a mom win. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Because growing up all throughout their ages, we mm -hmm. live in a neighborhood that initially was primarily uh, retired individuals. And we were the youngest family in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And slowly the neighborhood's been changing, which has mm -hmm. been um, sad to see the retired um you know, folks leave, but it's been fun having younger families move in. For sure. And so now they have uh, two additional families that have boys to play with and um, makes a difference. Actual basketball games that are happening in our oh, yard. Yeah. And we have a, a bit of land so they can play soccer in the backyard. And I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to see them enjoy the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually why we moved. Um, to Wiley was, um, we, uh, we were the only young family in the neighborhood we were in and the elementary school we were zoned for wasn't great either. So we're yeah. like, we need to go somewhere that's more, there's more families. And, uh, we moved in and there was four different families, all with kids under the age of like four. So it was, it was great for us. We've, we happened to land in a really good spot for, for where we're kids, our kids are. I mean, initially, my husband, funny story, in 1983, my husband's dad built our house. Oh, wow. And then for other reasons, they ended up selling the house. And in 2004, that house was on the market for sale. 
And my husband said, oh my gosh, how cool would it be if I bought my favorite childhood home? There you go. Um, and here we are almost 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Definitely doesn't look like the same house, but it's, yeah. it's fun seeing the boys grow up and having the the history of that. My husband was in the same bedroom that one of our boys is in. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um <laughs> So when I moved out and call when I went to college, my parents got rid of an entire refrigerator because they didn't need to buy as much food. How's the grocery bill with two teenage boys in the house? I mean, it is insane, but I, there is a positive that they're actually eating the leftovers now. <laughs> so nothing's going to waste. Nothing is going to waste. Yeah. I mean, with the cost of everything these days, I feel like ever like the cost of everything is more expensive. But my husband and I were just talking like a normal grocery bill. I mean, it's doubled. Yeah. But they right. are eating more sandwiches, more protein shakes. And uh, my oldest is on this uh, chicken and rice kick. So that's a fairly easy. Yeah. At least it's easy. It is easy. Yeah. yeah. I remember in high school, I would go to Subway, get a foot long sandwich between, um, between school and like, I was in band. So band practice was in the evening on Mondays. I would go get a sandwich between school and band and then go home and eat dinner. And that was like two or three hours apart <laughs> from each other. And I got like the foot long, you know, I didn't get the small sandwich. It was a full meal. And then I had another full meal. Yeah. They have their first dinner and then their second dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Typical. But if you're running and doing soccer for an hour and a half, then that's yeah. A it's a lot of activity. Yeah. And just growing in general is, uh, yeah, a... the oldest, he grew six inches all at once. And now the, the youngest one, he, he just hit exactly my height and I'm like, Oh, it's time. It's over. It's over. Yeah. He was like, like I was the one that he couldn't wait to get past because yeah. I'm taller than a lot of our family, but I'm still, you know, shorter than the, the yeah. oldest. So, yeah. The, uh, yeah, I, I definitely remember the, uh, winter in which my jeans fit at the beginning of the winter and then they were capris by the end. Um, <laughs> that, is, that has happened. <laughs> that definitely happens. And it's, uh, it's, it's fun times. Yeah. Yeah. So what brought you to Wiley originally? I originally, um, 1994, my dad remarried, um, my stepmom and my stepbrother was, a senior in high school and I was a sophomore. And so it was easier to move me from Richardson to Wiley to um, finish high school versus a senior. And so that was the main reason why my family moved to Wiley. I, I did try to move out for a little bit, went to Garland, lived at Lookout and George Bush, but we um, had a, I had a horse growing up and I needed to have a little bit of land and I wanted her to be at my house because she was aging. And we ended up finding the house that we're currently in. So that's what brought us back to Wiley. What was the horse's name? Star. Star. You know, I was six when I named her. <laughs> yeah. I had a cat named Star. And um, she became uh, named Star because it was technically my little sister's Christmas present or birthday present. I'm not sure. She has a December birthday, so they're kind of close together. Um, but that year she was the star in the Christmas play, meaning the North Star, um, not the like, you know, the star person, but she was literally the star. And so that was how our cat got her name. 
Oh, I love that. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. How did how did your horse become named Star? She was solid black and she had a white star on her forehead. Nice. I mean, you know, so general, you know. Yeah. So what what chose what made you choose to come back to Wiley after your uh sabbatical to Garland? It was really the um it was more country. Uh, I didn't really like the drive because at that point when we bought in Wiley, I was working in Preston Center um, and I, I kept thinking, you know, I really wanted my horse with me. I didn't like where she was at. Um, she initially was at this really beautiful stables at Pleasant Valley and Avion and the lady retired from taking care of her. And so I had her out in Allen and it just wasn't working out. And so when we I mean, we went all the way up to Melissa, all the way down to Forney, and then we ended up finding that property in Wiley, um, and we built a barn for her, and she lived out the rest of her life at, at our property, which was really nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what made you want to join Leadership Wiley this year? So I've been in the, the title business you know, since 97, and I've constantly throughout the years heard about leadership, whether it's leadership through Richardson, leadership through Garland. And I just had really been thinking about wanting to be uh, more involved with our city. And so I looked into it last year and I had just missed the cutoff. And so um, this year was another opportunity that I I went back to my uh, employer and said, hey, what do you think about since I didn't I wasn't able to do it last year. You had approved it. Do you mind if I do it again this year? Because it is, I mean, it's a full day commitment. Mm-hmm. And, um, he said yes. And so I signed up. There you go. Um, so we've done two days now. We had opening retreat, uh, which was more team building exercises and learning more about ourselves through uh, the disc profile assessment. And then we had um, our education day. So leadership uh, or uh Wiley ISD and then Collin College. So what are what what are some takeaways you've taken from either one of those days? I was really surprised. I have always thought of myself as more of an extrovert. Um, I love being around people. I really like um, I don't necessarily like to be by myself a whole lot, but during COVID we worked so many hours and I was around a lot of people. A lot a lot of people were not around a lot of people, but I was around more people than I've ever been in my life, just in a real uncomfortable environment. Um, because in closings, it was whatever worked best for them. I made it happen so they could do their closings. Um, so when I did the disc assessment, this go around, it said I was an introvert. So I found that to be really interesting. But I do, I think I'm around people all the time that maybe it's the maturity aspect of it that I really do value a quiet walk with my dogs now (laughs) and I do uh, really enjoy like just sitting um, in a quiet space reading a book now where before I wouldn't have enjoyed that like okay what am I going to do next you know because I'm always on the go with the boys now Mm -hmm. like this Friday we're headed to Houston or we were in San Diego or you know we're constantly moving now it's having some quiet time is really valuable to me. That's interesting. And so do you feel like that? um, Do you feel like you felt that change or has it just kind of been a gradual and then that disc assessment kind of just solidified like, oh, that makes sense. 
I think it was just a gradual. I don't think I've really paid attention to it because mm. I really, I mean, I love going to conferences and meeting new people. And I mean, that's been a real fun. Anytime there's a, a, a company Christmas party, I mean, I'm talking to people. I mean, mm -hmm. I love hearing stories and learning about people. So that was really interesting to me. Yeah. I always get con like on the introvert extrovert specifically, I always, I feel like it's a lot more of uh, a, a uh, fluid situation mm -hmm. than because uh, like a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I'm extroverted. But then there's times where I'm like, I don't want to be around people at all right now. <laughs> like I just want, I just want to go to a secluded cabin in the woods and just sit there for a little while. Like, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, let me find a trail and take my dogs and we'll you know, be in nature. And it's, mm -hmm. but then there's other times where I'm like, I need to be around people right now. Mm -hmm. Um, cause, uh, you know, as being self-employed, there's times where I'm not around people enough and it's like, mm -hmm. well, I need to, I need to go do things to make sure I'm seeing other people and, and, uh, you know, doing things that, uh, that allow me to interact with humans yeah, and not just my kids and wife, which love them, but need, need other people as well. Some adult interaction. <laughs> yes. Um, is there any, any specific leadership Wiley day that you're looking forward to? I was really looking forward to the ISD. Um, just learning more about that. Mm -hmm. um, I had talked to a, a friend of mine that had done uh, Wiley leadership in the past. And she said that there's another program for schools in Wiley. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that I might look into doing that maybe in the next go around. Mm -hmm. um, but that was my main, like really looking forward to it. But I mean, all of it interests me. Yeah. Like, um, you know, the the roads, why, why do we not have lights at certain roads? Like I'm yeah. looking forward to, um, you know, why are they picking certain restaurants and, you know, uh, the nonprofits, I, I am really looking forward to that because I have been for, you know, the why the education foundation, I really believe in that and the grants. And mm -hmm. I remember when the boys were at Smith elementary, you know, their teachers getting the the grants and how excited it was to see mm -hmm. them because it benefits our kids and, yeah. you know, the teachers and I can really tell how the teachers in Wiley, they really value our kids and they, they want our kids to succeed. At least that's been my experience mm -hmm. with all of our schools. For sure. Yeah. I've, I've noticed, uh, seems to be a, just in general, positive buzz whenever you talk about the schools here, which is part of the reason why we moved here. So, yeah. um, you know, like that's a, that's an attitude I'd like to, uh, I, I hope continues as my kids get into school and, and, uh, because they've got a long road ahead of them. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Yes. And it's a lot different than when I, because I ended up graduating from Wiley. Um, and it's a lot different now. It's such a big city, but it still has that small city vibe. Mm -hmm. with this, you know, I can't go anywhere without knowing somebody. <laughs> yeah. My kids are like, do you know everybody, mom? <laughs> do you like that? I do. I do like to be able to go somewhere and see. I mean, it really, it, uh, there's never a time where my husband and I 
we're either at the gym or at a restaurant, either he knows somebody or I know somebody because yeah. my husband has grown up in Wiley. Yeah, oh, really? His mom graduated from Wiley. So, mm. like, so he's a legacy. Oh, yes. Our boys are the third generation. No, oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, so you kind of talk, you kind of hit a little bit on your journey as a, in the title industry for those that are not, that don't really understand what that means. How would you describe the title industry and who it, it, it serves? So title insurance, we're the, let's, we're the middle person. So we help facilitate the transaction when you buy or sell a house or refinance or um, you're buying land or commercial properties. We're that middle person, um, middle company. So um, we're also acting as escrow. So money comes to us and we distribute it out. But for title insurance, it's it's a one-time fee insuring um, financial loss if there's any claims against the property um, on title. And it doesn't happen a whole lot, but it does happen and you're protected. So like with your homeowner's insurance, you pay that on an annual basis. Um, for title, it's uh, we're a regulated state. And so the cost of the premium is based on sales price or loan amount. Mm-hmm. And the paperwork and the financial aspect of it, it's really interesting and very in-depth. And I mean, there's just a lot of different stages of life. So you have the first time home buyers, which are super fun. And then you have the people, the families that need to have more space because they have more children. And then you have the downsizing. And then you have the ones that have lived in the home for 40 or 50 years and they're moving into a retirement facility or the children are selling their house because their parents passed away. So, I mean, there's just so many different, um, I primarily close residential properties. Now I've done um, some commercial property, some some cool, cool things are like the Dallas Collin County Community Campus in downtown Garland. I did that whole you know, from land to building, that was a pretty cool project um, to be a part of, to see Mm -hmm. it. Um, But for, for the most gratifying part of it, it's the, the people and the the residential side of it. Yeah. You get the, uh, the good, good part where they're, they're signing the actual paperwork to actually get the keys to the house and get to see the end product of the, of the hustle of, uh, of realtors and also just the uh, roller coaster that is the home buying process. Yeah. And it's so interesting. You know, some of the stories are like, oh, we've been, you know, saving for, you know, 20 years to buy our first house. And I remember one of the the loveliest closings, it was during COVID and it was a, an older couple. Um, he was a pastor for a church and he called his wife, his queen, and she was his king. <laughs> And he promised his queen that he would buy her a home one day. And Stephen, they were in their seventies. Oh, wow. And it was just, they were precious. And during COVID, he almost passed away and he got better and he, he kept his promise to her, which was so sweet. That's amazing. So you're never too old. (laughs) Yeah. You can always buy it. You can always go buy a house. 
yeah. So as your with as your role um, as an escrow officer, what what's um, what part of the uh, the process does that put you in? So I can do start to finish, but I have a team that does most of um, all of the, the beginning paperwork and everything. I get involved if there's curative issues, meaning you know, death, divorce, bankruptcies. Um, you know, if there's affidavits that need to be done, I review all of the the main title, um, not issues, but, you know, aspects of it. They come to me, um, but I'm mainly doing the closings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I can do everything from opening an order to funding a file, but my favorite part is in that closing room. Yeah, for sure. Um, wh- what has the journey been like to get to where you're at now? I mean, it's, it's, it's been a a challenging one. There's, there is a title school, but it's really, it's, it's a lot different than other careers. I feel Um, Mm -hmm. it's really, you have to get into our business and learn it. And I think that's, what's been great for me is because I started answering the phones and then I worked my way up. Um, It's, it's been hard because there's been a lot of changes, but our industry's primarily women in this um, working environment. But then the men are, there's a lot of men attorneys and, uh, and the majority of the ownership and the leadership are men um, in the title industry. And so that's been interesting throughout the years to navigate. Because hmm. um, there's there's not a lot of women attorneys and it's always fun to to see the women that are the attorneys. Um, I went to a, an Alta conference, which is like for the whole United States. And mm-hmm. um, one of the leaders of Stuart Title spoke, and it was just fun to hear her talk. Because yeah. growing up, I mean, I, I worked for um, not a lot of title companies, but I've worked for a few, and they've all had men as leaders. And so mm-hmm. it was interesting to see a woman, because our business is primarily women, that actually was running the business. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So, how is if you if you had to do it all over again, would you choose title companies? I mean, I I remember this one lady. She said, "Once you get in, you don't get out," <laughs> and it's true. I mean, it's it's never the same. I mean, there's a lot of the same of the process, mm-hmm. but everybody's story is different, and I really find it. Uh, very satisfying to be able to help people throughout this whole process. Would I have ever chosen it? I I don't think I even would have known. I mean, I didn't know what it was. I mean, I was bartending, <laughs> yeah, um, serving people food. And I mean, I was hustling and, you know, going to college. And I mean, I, I had so many different thoughts. At first, I was going to be radio and television. And then I wanted to be a counselor. And then I thought, you know, maybe business is really where I need to be. And I took a business law class and I thought, well, this is pretty interesting. And then that's why um, I guess that patron that one day decided to say, you know, you should be uh, looking into this title business. Fair enough. You were you were in title for uh, some of the more fun, uh, fun in quotes, uh, moments in real estate, like 2008 and then like the craziness. Yeah 
you know, the craziness of COVID and the prices and crazy, mm -hmm. uh, have, have those, uh, were those, uh, how were those from the inside? So I, I feel like I've, I've seen definite ebbs and flows in my business for sure. I think where I was able to, to rise in those situations are some of the accounts I mean, I, I had, um, during the early years, I mean, I could tell some of these people were getting loans. They had no business getting these loans, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not the judge and jury of it. Right. You know, if the lender saying they can afford it, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't really see the loan side of it until I see paperwork. Mm -hmm. Um, and really we're closing a lot back to back. So we don't see all of the behind the scenes loan, um, approvals and, what their debts and that kind of thing are. Mm -hmm. um, but the 2008 and 2007 through nine, it was very challenging because I remember specifically one day when multiple mortgage companies were closing their doors. I had loan documents. I had closings scheduled. I had a buyer in my conference room and we got a call that they could not fund the loan. And so I had to walk in there and say that they couldn't buy that house. And that was really devastating for me and for them to have to tell somebody that the lender has no money and they're closing their doors. Jeez. I, mean, I remember that so vividly. <laughs> yeah. And I laughed, but it was just like all I could do because I didn't, you know, I, there's no words for that. Mm -hmm. And then after that phase, the company that I worked for had um, a couple foreclosure accounts and HUD accounts. And those are for people that didn't make their mortgage. And so mm -hmm. the banks take the properties and rehab them or, you know, clean them out and sell them. And that kept me busy. And, you know, looking back, Holmes and Murphy were being sold for like 300,000 and now closing those same homes are over a million. <laughs> yeah. That's a little different. It's a little different, but you know, navigating through those foreclosure times, I mean, I'm happy to have had that account, um, but I would never want to go back to um, the short sale environments where people owed more than, you know, they could sell their house for. And mm -hmm. there was a lot of, a lot of, hard times for people, financial troubles, federal tax liens, and, you know, navigating through all of that was challenging. And, mm -hmm. and people um, in title, we, we call it the three D's, debt, divorce, and death. Mm. And those can, you can be the nicest person, but if you're involved in any of those three, it can certainly change you. You can turn your life upside down for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. So did you learn anything in particular um, or have any takeaways from those times of, uh, you know, having to tell somebody that they can't do the house because the mortgage company that they chose just closed? I mean, I've learned to do business with reputable companies. Um, you know, there a lot of those companies that closed their doors. They were, um, they just didn't have a lot of backing. Um, and there's the the financial part of it. 
you know, some of these companies are, are real into refinancing. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have a lot of financial backing. Um, and so, um, you know, I learned a lot about who you do business with for sure. Um, and, and having more empathy uh, for those situations too. Um, yeah, I, I really felt bad for a lot of the people, you know, because sellers had to sell and buyers couldn't buy. And yeah, you know, um, and rates rates even back then. I mean, we bought our house in 2004 and our rate was six point seven five. But the sales prices were quite a bit lower. When they yeah. Had. Yeah, it's still crazy when you look at real estate just. And yeah, I think the interest rate yesterday was 8%. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you start comparing, comparing year over year of like, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to buy that house. You know, five years ago is only worth this. And it's like, well, five years ago isn't now. And uh, that's maybe never coming back. Um, and if it does, like uh, we would have another 2007 to 2009 situation, which probably wouldn't be good either. No. Right. Well, we ended up adding on to our house, putting a pool in. And because mm-hmm. we were like, you know, I can't buy this house. And it's it's definitely more cost effective for us to add on to it and mm-hmm. add a pool and redo some things versus selling it um, for our financial reasoning. Um, for sure. And especially to stay in Wiley. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what unexpected challenges have you faced lately? The, the interest rates have been tough um, because, I mean, my husband does work, but I'm the primary um, financial provider. Um, and so when business slows, my my business, I do have a, a commission as well. And so when business slows, that hurts, you know, financially too. Mm-hmm. And so that's been you know, going back to, you know, budgeting more and, you know, the COVID days, as much as I was working (laughs) the seven days a week and many, many hours, late nights here, and even on the weekends at the house, I don't want to ever go back there because I feel like I've missed time with the boys. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like my time with them is so short that Mm -hmm. I have left. Yeah. And so I'm, I want it to be busier, but at the same time, I'm enjoying spending more time with them. Yeah. So the challenges are navigating the financial part of it being slower for sure. Yeah. So the, the balance of, of money versus time versus, you know, the budget and still enjoying life and making sure to not uh, deprive of, of fun things to do. Right. Yeah, I think um I don't remember the exact stat, but it's something along the lines of like by the time you're 18, the large percentage of time you spend with your parents is is gone. And it's something crazy like 85% or like it's a it's a high number. Um oh, so I don't remember the exact stat, but yeah, spending that time is uh, crucial cuz time is the thing we can't get back unfortunately. We can't. I mean, I, I really, I value the time with, 
our boys so much. And my oldest, I think, I, he he kind of likes hanging out with us too. Um, it, it's it's fun because he he chooses to hang out with us because he's always going too. And he said, "Well, I don't get to hang out with you so much, so I'm I'm good being here." Yeah, you know, it's just so it makes you feel a little bit a little good. Because I'm like, you'll be graduating in three years. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. What's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, worst piece of advice. Yeah. Um, that's a hard one. Because um, I've had a lot of not so great. <laughs> There's so many to <laughs> choose from. I mean, you know. Um, hmm. Uh, no, I'm stumped with that one. I think it's just been um, taking care, like around taking care of our house. Um, somebody had made uh, a really crazy comment. I mean, I didn't ever take this advice, but they had figured out a way to not pay insurance on their house. And it was so outlandish and bizarre, but I, I guess they've gotten away with it for, for a very long time, but, and their lenders never found out, but they said, you know, you could pay for the insurance and then cancel it. And then if you get a letter, then you pay for the insurance again, and then you cancel it. And I thought, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, uh, <laughs> uh, especially in 2016, if you didn't have insurance and that tornado came through. Yeah. Golly. There's some people that didn't have insurance on their home and they lost out. Yeah. That was probably the most ridiculous piece of advice. Yeah. One of them for me was uh, someone told me I shouldn't start my own business because I'll lose my health care insurance. And it's like, well, I can, I can get, I can get health insurance. I just, it may not be as good as, you know, as with an employer, but I'm not going to let that be the thing that stops me. Um, well, I think a lot of people, some of their advice too, they, they put their ideas on you, you know, or they're speaking from their own fears and anxieties. Yeah. Um, and, oh, watch out for this. And it's like, I think you're just telling yourself you want to watch out for that. <laughs> like, that's not a huge problem to me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wanted to keep health insurance, but um, if that's the one thing that's holding you back from doing, like there's ways around that in terms of saving money so you can pay for health insurance and right. and whatnot. So, well, I feel like you, if you don't, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing, right? Right. So, I mean, I never thought I'd be standing up in front of a bunch of people teaching classes and I do that now. Yeah. How do you enjoy five five years ago? I probably would have said, no, never, but now I do it. So yeah. How do you enjoy teaching? I love it. Um, And some of the best advice that was given to me, uh, because I used to be so afraid. I mean, I still have the nervous feeling in front of people, but Mm -hmm. somebody had said, well, you're the expert in what you're teaching and you have value and knowledge to teach everyone that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me. It's about my content. And mm-hmm. 
once I took it off of myself, I thought, you know what, that's, I do have something of value. Yeah. And that, that was a really great perspective change for me. Yeah. I also think that your, if you're presenting something, most likely you're better suited to present that than the people in the crowd mm-hmm. and the people in the crowd that aren't, that could do the presentation are either just looking for a nugget or they're not paying attention anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> so, I mean, I think like expertise is just knowing a little bit more than the person you're talking to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so let's get into uh, stuff about personally. So one of the things, one of our, our pieces of common interest is uh, we've both done triathlons. Ooh, yes. So how did you get into triathlon or just uh, athletic activity in general? So my horse passed away in 2005 and I've always been an outdoors person. I love, mm. I'm not a very good like sit outside and like fish or hunting type of person. Cause I, I don't like dislike those activities. It's just not something that I really want to be moving. I want to be moving. And so horse horses no longer around. And I thought, well, my brother, um, I'm the youngest of four. So one of my brothers, he and his wife are really active and, mm. My brother loves to bike and my sister-in-law loves to run. And so they um, knew I needed to get out of my funk. And they said, why don't you sign up for a 5K? And so I started running and fast forward to 2011. um, I had an agent friend said to me, hey, I'm running a half marathon. What do you think about that? And we can raise money for a, a group called World Vision. Hmm. And it um, helps build wells in Africa. And I was like, well, what better way for me to, to, you know, do my first half marathon is to raise money for water, clean water for, for families. Um, so I did my first half marathon in 2011. And then fast forward to say it was 2018. I had done over 20 something halves and um, I did one full marathon um, in College Station, mm-hmm. and I don't know really why I chose that one. It was just <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm not A&M or anything. I went to UTD, so I was like, but I had some friends doing that one, and you know, you it's more fun if you do races with friends. For and sure. So, um, I did that full in Bryan College Station, and that was really a lot of fun. I did that around Christmas time. But I knew I wanted a, a different change um, from the halves, uh, so many halves. And I did some relay runs. I did mm-hmm. um, a couple Ragnars in Colorado. I've done the Texas Independence Relay a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got into triathlons again. My sister-in-law, she was like, you know, what do you think of this? And some of my running friends um, and Wiley, they, they started getting into triathlons. Mm. And so the swimming part of it scared me immensely because I'm really great about floating in the water or <laughs> standing in the water, more uh, of a relax in the water kind of, more of the relax kind of person. In the water kind of thing. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to figure out how to swim 
mm-hmm. competitively. And so I signed up at Oak Point in Plano to mm-hmm. have some teenage gal uh, teach me how to do swim. Yeah. So I was. Uh, was it private there. lessons or was it uh, oh, no. you was, and, and a bunch the, of kids? I was, I was the only adult in the sea of children <laughs> um, learning how to swim, um, the free stroke or the breaststroke. And, you know, it really got me over the fear of like really deep water because mm-hmm. at that Oak Point, they. Um, yeah, that's deep. They have some really deep spots. And so they did a lot of activities that way. Um, mm-hmm. And then once I got over the swimming part of it in the pool, I went to lake swims and that's not my favorite. Um, no, it's not my favorite either. I did. There's a the, the group in Rockwall that, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of really great um, experienced people in that mm-hmm. group. And they, they helped me through a lot of the, the lake and kind of the rhythm of it and figuring mm-hmm. out, you know, swing to buoy to buoy. And, you know, if I do get a little nervous, then, you know, there's techniques to get over that. Mm-hmm. Plus, I mean, it was good if I'm ever on the lake with my boys, I, I know, like I can jump in the water and pull them out or help them. Sure. If needed. So there was a lot involved in me learning how to swim uh, appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like the, the doggy paddle or the floating or whatever. So um, my first triathlon, I did um, the TWU one mm-hmm. and I got third place. There you go. So that was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. So how many triathlons did you end up doing? Just um, three. three. I did um, the Cooper one. And then um, since I got the third place, I did, I qualified for another one the best of the best one yes that's what it was yeah i was trying to figure it out and i don't know i mean it's fun but again swimming isn't my favorite right so um i did like the biking aspect of it i did Mm -hmm. a bunch of bike rallies Mm -hmm. um but my tire got flat one time and i couldn't get the tire on i mean i went to a bike clinic i mean everything i do i want to make sure i know it yeah i'm prepared for you know if my you know, if my clip doesn't work or if my tire flattens, I want to be able to fix it. And mm-hmm. I really felt confident in it, especially riding the bike. Cause I went to this bike clinic and it was the most fantastic thing. Cause I had a coach and he had it in a park and he did it on grass. And that's how we learned to clip in and clip out. And mm-hmm. so if you fall and you fall on grass, it's not that big of a deal. Right. You know, you're not skinning up your legs on concrete, you're mm-hmm. just falling in the grass. Right. And so that's how I taught my kids how to ride their bikes too, was in the grass. Nice. <laughs> um, off-roading. I really, did, I really did enjoy um the activity of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, I started having some numbness problems with my mm-hmm. uh, foot and kind of went through a journey to try to figure that out. And it's mm-hmm. still not a hundred percent. So Kind of gave up my speed running days and yeah, more of a walk runner or walking yeah. mostly. I like to hike a bunch. So okay, well, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Swimming's typically the thing that holds people back from from the triathlon. The good thing about being in North Texas is a lot of the triathlons are cool. pool based. Yeah, so the swim is very short. Particularly if you do the Rockwall triathlon, the swim is only 150 yards. 
which it's is just weird that they grab you or they push you or you got elbows in the face or yeah feet and i don't know it just yeah i definitely got kicked this year it was not fun um but at least like you can rest on the wall if you need to versus a lake swim where you're like i'm out here in the middle of the lake cool just keep going do the backstroke for a little bit at the aquatic center or at the y the y oh yeah yeah that one's at the y okay i've done it the past couple years um but yeah it's kind of like a steeplechase where you just kind of jump into the puddle or whatever yeah that's how i feel like the swim is on the rockwell triathlon (laughs) you just get a little wet before you start the bike and run part yeah right yeah um so so walking and hiking these days yeah i mean i did a i did a half in april in frisco Mm -hmm. it was quite a bit slower than i wanted it to be but i mean i I just, my main thing was to finish it and right. show myself because I hadn't done one since 2019 mm. and uh, it was good to get out there and do it again. And so, I, I mean, I've been doing orange theory for a little bit. Mm. I, I I had torn my meniscus mm. in 2019 mm-hmm. and um, waited, you know, 2020 hit and I don't know, ended up getting uh, my knee fixed and I don't know, it there's something that happens mentally that just, it was just proving to myself that I can do it. Yeah. And I mean, a meniscus tear, it, a lot of people are like, Oh, there's no big deal, but I don't know. It just really, you know, that invincible feeling that, yeah. that I always, I mean, I was like, I'm, I can do anything. And then it yeah. was like, Oh, maybe not. So that was hard for me. This age thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a book called the body keeps the score. Um, and, uh, yeah, some of those old injuries, we don't get over as fast as we think we should mentally get over them. Well, and one thing that the surgeon said, it was, I mean, I had, I can't tell you how many times I was thrown off of a horse and Mm -hmm. he said it could have been, you know, a horse, my horse, there was an instance where me and my knee, had a very hard collision on a tree mm-hmm. <laughs> from a bag of a horse. And so I feel like it could have been, you know, maybe spurred from that. And then it's just the wear and tear of the biking and the running throughout the years that maybe it just gave and tore. And that's why. Yeah. So what got you into horses originally? Um, I was young. Um, my mom always loved horses and she, she was the main one. We had a a real pretty buckskin horse when I was young. Um, she had a fancy name, but we called her Goldie. And um, I got her when she was, when I was six. And then I also got the horse that I had when I was six, but she was a baby. So she was like 16 months old. And so we had one that I could ride. And then we had one that I could learn how to train and um because i i got into um doing a lot of what they called play days when i was young and so they had like um, poles where you run in and out of or barrel racing that was real big um i never really did a whole lot of uh, english like jumping that kind of thing i always loved traditional equestrian i always thought it was beautiful um very art artistic, you mm-hmm. know, the dressage and everything was the, the beauty of it. But, um, 
I did more Western writing. Fair. Um, what's something else you feel deeply passionate about? I mean, I really feel like the the servant in me. I I really I got in growing up. I I had a bit of a hard time as a kid because my parents divorced and my mother had some troubles and I took care of her quite a bit. And so I had a mentor in junior high um, to help me through certain stages. Mm -hmm. And then when I got into high school, I got into um, what Wiley is called. It's called PALS, which is peer Mm -hmm. assistance and leadership. And so as an adult, now that things have slowed down, I got into the mentor program And so just giving back and spending time and like kids are, are where it's at, you know, they're the, our future and I'm really, really loving it Yeah, to be able to see what it did for me. Um, and I'm a leader now. Um, and you know, there's a, a little one that I'm working with and, um, I see so much potential in him and he just gets so excited when he sees me <laughs> and it's just sweet. I mean, the, I don't know, just the, the servant part is really yeah, been a lot of fun. Yeah. I, f- I find that sometimes, um, the last person you want to listen to is your own parent. Mm-hmm. But if another adult says the exact same thing as your parent does, you mm-hmm. tend to listen a little bit closer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I um, coached my little, little one's soccer team Mm. and um, they were like herding chickens, but now they see me and it's like coach cat, you know, they still to this day, 13 year old boys come and hug me when they see me. And it's just sweet, you know, that they remember me and then their siblings remember me. And, you know, it's just good to have a positive impact on Mm -hmm. the children. That's been a lot of fun. For sure. Uh, what's something about you that surprises people when they find out? I can I can tell a fun story. Um, so my dad gave me a car when I was sixteen mm-hmm. to drive, but I I wanted to have a different car, so we ended up buying. I, well, I've been working since I was 14. So I mm-hmm. saved up for this particular car, but it needed a new engine. And mm-hmm. so my dad and I bought an engine and then from scratch, we put it in the car and he taught me how to change my tires and do the oil. And I mean, that was pretty, I think that's surprising to a lot of people that yeah, like I, 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 I built, you built car. a car, I built my car. That is. <laughs> I mean, that's something that's um, unusual, I would imagine, you know, but my dad, he, he was very adamant. He didn't want me playing sports, but he was adamant that I needed to be able to, to know the ins and outs of a vehicle. So I, my, my little hybrid outside's quite a bit different than that little prelude that I worked on, but still. He didn't, he didn't want you to play sports? No, it was, no, it was very funny. I was the youngest of four and there was just not a lot of time with me. So they, they could drop me off at the stables. That was a lot easier than driving me around to sporting events. Um, I did track in junior high and 
I don't even remember him going to one track meet. <laughs> uh, he supported band though. I did band for a little bit as well. Um, I played the bassoon. Ooh. He loved that. A double reed instrument. A double reed. Huh? Yes. Yeah. That's, um, that's high fancy. School, high school, I got out of playing the instrument, but I stayed in the color guard. And so that was fun. Okay. Um, so now your boys are like all sports seems like, Oh oh, yeah. So what's the, uh, was that something you encouraged them to do or is that just something that they just enjoyed doing? I think it's both. Mm Um, I, I talked to a lot of people and I feel like as long as I keep them active and around positive influence, um, it's good for them. It's good for their mind. It's good for their future. Um, we just fell into soccer. My husband played soccer, but he was more of a baseball guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really good in track, but baseball was always his big thing. Um, and he I don't know why the boys didn't get into baseball. He wasn't ever like, I want my kids to play baseball. And he's like, well, why not soccer? Because soccer is a lot of running and they can do just about anything they want to after that. And Mm -hmm. the oldest, he did some football, just kicking um, in junior high. He may Mm -hmm. go back to that this next year. He didn't do it last year or this year in high school, but he may Mm -hmm. go back to it. Um, The youngest, he's he likes basketball too, which is a mm-hmm. lot of fun. It's indoor. Yeah. Soccer is not amazing weather all the time. Um, I feel like it's the opposite of whatever amazing is. Like it, yeah. I feel like the uh times where you have a soccer game where it's like 70 degrees and slightly overcast, like uh never you, happens. that never happens. It's either it's either hot as all get out, mm-hmm. you know, over a hundred, or it's cold and rainy. Yeah. like together <laughs> you're like why well, why I, can't I we had, have one i had one no one idea high school soccer was in the winter oh yeah yeah i that i don't know why that just like i never knew that so when he made the soccer team i'm like oh that's so amazing and then it's like you're in the stadium and it's you see all the seasoned parents and they've got their heaters and their <laughs> Uh, sleeping bags or you know their heated jackets uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm getting all of the the fun you know things working but the the summer soccer is not amazing I so I was pretty excited when the youngest he was like oh I want to play basketball I'm like oh yes please yeah let's do that so he does a winter league okay basketball but that's good but primarily soccer has just been what they've enjoyed. I mean, I've asked them and that's one thing that we do because they, we pay for the soccer. It's mm-hmm. pay to play um, and we travel. And mm-hmm. so it's a big commitment for the family. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have a full conversation with them, you know, about their commitment mm-hmm. and about what they, what's, what's going to be expected by their coaches and by their teammates. And um, there was one year that my little one, I wasn't, he did not want to go to practice. And I said, that this is part of playing on your team. And I said, you got to finish this out, but I won't sign you up again. And I didn't sign him up. And you would have thought 
it was the end of the world. How dare you? How, why would you do that? So um, he went a full season without playing soccer, but he's never stopped since. I mean, I just th- said, I'm not going to argue with you about practicing. Like this is part of the team. This is yeah. what your coach needs you to do. And um, I mean, I, I feel like with them, it's, what what we portray and what we say um we carry through and Mm -hmm. it's a you know your word and your actions speak volumes and you if you say i want to be on that team then you need to be on it and they've just continued choosing soccer awesome yeah actions are way more important than uh what we say Mm -hmm. um because you can say the right thing but if you don't follow through with your actions what what's there i i consistently my kids being so little, the the thing I struggle with is like, I'm messing around on my phone, but they're like, Oh, I want to be, I want iPad or I want to watch TV. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, why am I saying no? I'm literally doing what they want to do. Like, yeah, that that's not fair to them for me to be like, no, you can't. But then maybe over here, just glazing on my phone. Um, well, that whole, um, that's been a hard thing to navigate to. Mm-hmm. I personally was never a video game. Like I didn't play a lot of video games. I mean, my brother, my young, the my older brother, but he was more my age. He and I, we, we had um, Atari um, mm-hmm. young age and then uh, Nintendo, but it was different than what it is now. Mm-hmm. Like they'll have their phones on FaceTime, but they're not seeing each other, but they want their phone on FaceTime. And so like you go and you're like, who are you, who are you talking to? And you see a bunch of ceiling fans on the phones. Like, it's just the funniest thing. While they're playing video games? While they're playing video games. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, weird dynamic. Yeah. They, that's their social time. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, me and my friends used to do uh, land parties where you'd all go to the same house and you'd hook all your systems up together and uh, you'd yeah. play, but play together in person. So in person, yeah, it's just a lot easier now with how fast the internet is and how accessible games are to do it like that now. And it's, I mean, growing up, I always was at a friend's house or friends were over at my house, and now I'm like. Are they going to come over and play or, you know, they're like, no, we're playing video games. No, they but need a, they need a big, big screen. They need, they need to see what they're doing. Their house. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Many, I definitely had the headset in several times or, uh, I have fond memories of, uh, some, uh, online college football battles, uh, in, in video games, um, and, uh, taking screenshots and trash talking my friends and all that good stuff. So much, so much fun. Yeah. yeah, So this has been, um, and and I have, we do have space for them outside. So if Mm -hmm. I feel like they've been on it too long, I'm like, Hey, you know, you want to go kick the soccer ball around, go run some laps. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have like basketball, we have soccer, Mm -hmm. we have trampoline. Uh, my husband is super handy. And so he made this um, like deck around our tree with the mm. monkey bars and swing oh, sets. Nice. And so like they'll go and have pull-up challenges or something. I mean, it's just funny. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Um, let, I'm going to time you who's going to run the fast sprint. And then, you know, as long as it's like competition. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's go run sprints. Yeah, pull-ups is something I've never really been able to do. My goal, my goal is uh is to do one pull-up by the by the springtime. <laughs> I just blame my uh my center of gravity. I just I feel like it's harder for me at six foot four. My limbs are so long that I feel like it's harder for me to do a pull-up than being more compact. That's that's at least the excuse I tell myself. Well, it's just the funniest thing. Um my oldest, he used his Christmas money to buy a bullet bar. Like, would you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I guess the monkey bars weren't weren't doing it for him. And so he wanted to have more space. So Yeah. Well, and that that's the thing about the pull-up bar, like at the house. Like I can if I if I were to put it on the door frame or whatever, like those types of pull-up bars, my my knees are still on the ground. <laughs> and so I always feel kind of weird doing those. So I feel like I need uh higher higher bars higher, which i guess bar. yeah which i guess wouldn't really matter but it matters in my head <laughs> what's what's something you've been reading watching or listening to lately um i let's see let's see let's see <laughs> my latest book audible um i'm re-listening to think do say which i liked okay. a lot um i did the power of habit mm-hmm. and then i went ahead um and listened to atomic habits but i liked it so much i bought the book um because i thought i needed to have just a reminder of the book and so i could write the notes versus just audible mm. um i listened to a lot of podcasts School of Same. Greatness, um, Lewis House is one of my favorites. Mm. Um, Brian Buffini has a podcast. He's a lot of fun to listen to. His really good content. Um, and it's not just real estate. I mean, he's real estate, but mm-hmm. he has a lot of really good content. Yeah. Um, and I really like Mel Robbins right now. She cracks me yeah. up. She's um, super real. Uh, yeah authentic and i just love her i love her passion i just gave myself a self high five that's a mel robbins thing i love it there's just something about it five four three two one do it try not to feel better about yourself by after you high five yourself right yeah dare you dare you i actually never read her books but i've heard her on several podcasts and i like I like how she thinks. Yeah. And Ed Milet is another one I listen to. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the car a lot. Yeah. You know? I um, cover, I mean, I can close here in Richardson. That's the closest to my house, but I also cover Rockwall and Forney. But if people want, I mean, I had a flower mound property close. So, I mean, I'd rather do the closings versus having a notary do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'll, I'll make the drive. And so I'm in the, the car a lot. And so got a lot of podcasts to get through a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I, for some reason, I find myself liking podcasts more than like audiobooks. like audiobooks have a place, but for whatever reason, even though I feel like the content's similar, mm-hmm. I just always gravitate to podcasts. If I, if, if for every hour I spend listening to podcasts was an audiobook, like my goodness, the amount of books I'd read every year is 
would be out of control. Yeah. So my other ones, let's see, Maxwell leadership. He's pretty cool too. I mm-hmm. like him. Is that John Maxwell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, my uh, guilty pleasure is the love letters to Kelly. <laughs> uh, what's that? Uh, so 106.1 has oh, a, okay. a little bit called love letters to Kelly. And so she does a um, fun podcast where it's a little bit more in depth and longer crazy letters just helps. I mean, I, I've been married since 2000 with my husband since 96. So we're pretty, pretty much know each other. And so listening to these crazy stories, yeah, it's pretty fun. What, What are some of your other guilty pleasures or things you do for yourself? Um, I mean, I, I can, I can binge watch a, a Netflix series about all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's, I, I like a lot of um, sci-fi stuff. So okay, um, super uh, fun about that. That was my dad's, like, I think I might've mentioned the Star Wars thing. So that's if, if a Star Wars or Indiana Jones is on TV, I tend to, to watch that. So um, but if I'm by myself, I'll, I'll find something. And my husband says, it's pretty funny. Like I'll go through and, um, look at, you know, the, the labels. And typically if I see something that has a horse involved, I'm going to find, I will, I will play it like the heartland. I don't know if you've ever watched that, but Mm-mm. just so good. <laughs> so I think there was a movie. This probably was, I don't know, this was many years ago, but it's called Cowboys and Aliens. So that's a mashup of horses and sci-fi. Was that just like wonderful um, for you? So fantastic. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, what would be your advice to someone getting in uh first getting into the title industry? To not not feel like you have to learn everything all at once. Um, because there's so many layers to this industry. Um I feel like some of the younger people that have worked with me, they, they just want to be able to, to be an escrow officer immediately. And there's just a lot to learn and to be really good. Um, you know, you just have to put in the time and, and the, the work. All right. Last, last two questions. Um, one is a question from previous guest. Um, which you'll, you'll have to come up with a question for the next guest, um, as well. Um, but we'll, we'll cover that afterwards. Um, the question from the previous person is what is your most important relationship and why? My most important relationship. I mean, I, I go back to my husband a lot. Um, he and I, uh, we've been through a lot and we talk a lot and like, if I, if I get through a, a really crummy day and, you know, he knows to give me a moment and <laughs> like in same, same with him. If, I mean, we really know each other very well mm-hmm. um, and he makes me laugh. Um and that's really important. 
Like I like to laugh. I mm-hmm. like, and he's super silly with me. <laughs> so um, yeah, it would be my husband for sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the last one's a real softball. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch with you? Oh um, yeah. My Facebook page. I'm, there's a lot of personal, like I love my boys and you can tell that I am um, a soccer mom. A soccer mom. So my Facebook is Catherine McBrayer Montgomery. And um, I have a LinkedIn. I don't, I should put more into it, but Catherine Montgomery, um, Texas premier title, you'll see me on there. And my Instagram is Kat J Montgomery. But a lot of my Instagram, it's more like what I feed from Facebook to Instagram. Mm. I'm not real big into social media. I've tried to be better about it, but a lot of people tag me versus me. <laughs> like I need to, I need to maybe spend some more time on it. Uh, but I would challenge that assumption. Yeah. What 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 would you get phases. from? I, yeah. I what would you get from interacting with social media more? Um, just reconnecting. Um, yeah. I mean, that's. I just have, I have so many, like my Facebook is full of my past, my future, you know, hopeful relationships, real estate, like running camp gladiator, mm-hmm. orange, like all the like different phases. Of mm-hmm. so, but, um. Well, just go to your Facebook, go to your friend's page and, and scroll and say, okay, I'm connecting with that person today. Yeah, I I've been I've been doing that, you know, here and there, just going. I was like, oh, I haven't seen anything come, you know, the algorithms or whatever they have mm-hmm. um, happening with that. Um, what shows you on your Facebook? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I just go through and randomly pick something and go, oh, I haven't seen that person in a while, so let me check and see what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I find that's a lot more gratifying than just posting about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, and, um, I forgot what I was going to say. So until, until next time, we'll see y'all later. Bye.